or welcome to the first edition of our podcast. Uh, I have here Afiongwi Williams. Afiongwi Williams is a Nigerian entrepreneur, um, the CEO and founder of Real Fruits. Um, I also have um, Abiola Kazim here, of the CEO of Elevate Sports Media. So, Abiola Kazim, um, Afiongwi Williams, you're welcome to this session. Um, Abiola, you're also welcome. We would have a, this is a, going to be a session about Nigeria. We want to look at existential questions. Um, what are the things that we should do right in Nigeria? I've chosen these two people. These are my favorite people. I mean, favorite people because I always like their perspective to issues um, when it comes to Nigeria. Um, and when it comes to general issues, um, I mean, there's a, you know, like, um, there's an interest to sit in um, victimhood um, or even just follow popular narratives. I like people who, who possibly just stay on their own positions um, and emphasize that clearly. And I believe that, you know, this I'm taking two of Nigeria's finest people who have just chose to walk their walk and, uh, and just stay on, on what they truly believe with each conviction. And we look at three things about Nigeria. One is about the Nigeria we met, um, the Nigeria we've grown into, and, and um, the Nigeria that should be and the Nigeria that could be. Um, I'm, I'm the first one uh, in my head, um, and I'm going to start with... Fung Williams, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm also very clear about backgrounds with different things. The Nigerians that, that we met, in your own view, what, is, what, what, does it, what did it look like? Um, um, and, and the Nigerians that we um, we also are currently in right now, what does that, or the Nigerians you have grown to meet, I mean, in the formative years, what, what did that look like? And maybe we just start from that if I go to be Alakazi. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much for having me, Shion, and thank you for, you know, for thinking me worthy of sort of contributing to to what is sounds like an important book and, you know, to your own chronicling of, of, of and adding to sort of uh, the historical knowledge of Nigeria. I think that uh, it's a really great feat and I commend you and uh, kind of honored that you think, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm worthy of talking about this. So I'll just get right into it. You know, when I when I thought about it, when you just posed this question, I, I in, in retrospect start thinking about the fact that I think I was of the generation um, you know Nigerians I was born in 1986 so I'm 34 right now and I think in my in my youth um, you know Nigeria had already um, obviously begun to uh, be a failed state and, and 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 that was evident you know from the education sector so I say that because in my you know I am I'm one of four children um, and I was the youngest by a mile and my siblings all went to public school um, government school FGGCs and as the first one and, and being the last child born in the 80s they were born in the 70s um, was the first one who, who went to private school because at that time public school stopped being um, you know good enough and I think um, our parents uh, you know started looking at you know sort of that broken contract between the sort of idealism they had about Nigeria my mom was born in the 50s and clearly had that and, and that resonated but I think by the time I was born and I was young it was clear that you know uh, things were very broken around some of the um, sort of uh, you know, uh, ideas they, they had about Nigeria. One was really, you know, education. I, you know, anybody who was born in the 50s sort of talks about the, the quality of education they received. But by the time um, I, I came around, it was clear that that, that you know, sort, sort of started to break down um, very much. And I think, you know, um, I would say that that was a time when, you know, you had real sort of... Uh, 
sort of, um, you know, wiping out of the middle class with those structural adjustment programs and the sort of effect of that when I was young, as well as um, just, I think, parents thinking that, you know, they had to start looking at other options for their children to to leave the country or look at other opportunities outside of um, of Nigeria because, you know, the, the idea the, the idea of the country they had um, just, you know, just was was evidently not going to play out the way uh, the way they thought. And I think that's kind of what I was born into. I was born into a Nigeria where parents were a lot more self-reliant, there was a lot less dependence, even though there's always this narrative of dependence on the government. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in actuality, uh, I would say in the 70s, people really were, you know, dependent on the government. And by the time the 80s came around, people realized that that, that dependency sort of was starting to break down. Um, so, um, you know, parents were self-reliant. They were doing what they could. They were providing everything. And and also that, um, I think there was also that, you know, the beginning of, of just not, you know, diso- dissociating with Nigeria and where the elite just um, stopped uh, or, or, maybe, or maybe realized that they didn't have enough or they didn't have the uh, i guess the um what it took to hold to, to, to sort of hold government you know to their word or sort of you know be a revolutionary class as it were right so instead of you know people sort of uh you know having this mass um i won't say revolt or revolution revolution in any form but just mass sort of you know verbal discontent everybody sort of started grumbling individually and you know, just started taking care of things themselves. And that's, you know, sort of how it's continued. Um, I think in summary, that's probably, I would say, uh, what was evident in my childhood, especially, you know, reflecting now on on how my mother raised me. And and I think it's only, you know, just uh, grown from there. I mean, mean, thank you so much for that that introduction. And, and, I mean, let me go to Biola Kazim and I'll come back to you also because I have one or two questions on that. I mean, um, Biola Kazim, the Nigeria you met, I mean, um, the Nigeria you grew into, how is that looking like? How, how did that feel? What was that? And what exactly is, do you think is missing now? Yeah. I mean, just like I was born in the 80s as well, um, but, you know, unlike her, even though um, some of the things you alluded to, I can relate to. I went to a federal government college, uh, but, I, but I was I was the first in my family, and I was the only one who eventually. Um, okay, my younger sister went to a federal government college, but she had to live in Jersey Street because by then also, my mother felt like um, the sacrifice of of sending her to Portacot, um for the sort of education she felt she was getting wasn't good enough. Um, I'll have, my younger brother did not even go to a public school at all he went to a private school so I, I relate to what Afi was saying about how we're born into the system where the public um, educational system was good enough and decent enough you know to 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 um, adequate enough for children of the middle class of the elite for all sorts uh, but as things as time went by it became quickly apparent that the level of depreciation um, that aspect of our witness uh, Shem, can you hear can Biela is breaking. Um, Sorry, Biela, you were breaking. Do you want to take that again? Sorry, I, I couldn't hear most of what you said. You, you were breaking, Biola. Uh, Biola was breaking. Um, Can you hear me? Yeah, you're breaking. You're going in and out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This better now. 
Yeah, it's better now. Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 see how that goes. Yeah. Top. Um, I was saying that um, unlike Afi, I went to a federal government college, mm. but I can't. She was saying about federal government college and the public educational system um, deteriorating so quickly that um, children of the middle class of the elites could not even get any sort of good education in public schools and so they had to resort to private schools so my story was i went to a federal government college between gs1 and ss2 i came to lagos for my ss3 my younger sister went to a federal government college between gs1 and gs3 but she had to return back to a school as well and my younger brother did not even go to a public school at all uh, because at the time he was ready to go to secondary school clearly this level of road that set in um it didn't make any sense for him to go to a federal government college so he went to a private school from scratch from GS1 up to SS3 so I relate to Afi's story you know in that regard that was the Nigeria I was born you know into the Nigeria I was also born into was one where we used to do road trips I went to federal government college Port Harcourt so we could travel from Lagos to Port Harcourt without our parents you know on buses there was a certain level of level of security and I did this for five years to and fro huge buses to come and pick us from Port Harcourt back to Lagos our parents would pick us up sometimes the parents of other students would pick us up and drop us at home if our own parents you know had other engagements and they will you know return the favor as well maybe drop the children of the other parents when we're going to Port Harcourt if those were unavailable so there was a certain level of trust there was a certain level of um um I'd say security that is obviously obviously completely disappeared you know right now the Nigeria to one I think in which there was still a certain level you know of say I recall having cousins um, who come nothing go to university go to Lasso go to Ogun State University go to very regular universities and when they they get jobs and some of these guys have gone on to do phenomenal things you know in their lives um, it was pretty regular then to graduate from university and get an okay job and you know build your life from there right now we cannot say that exists and you also feel like there was a certain level of uh, decent infrastructure obviously not the best because now we are well traveled facilities you know and infrastructure looks like but way back then I mean one can recall that the, the level of depreciation of basic infrastructure is outstanding yes Part of Nigeria is almost warlike. It's almost like war had taken place and war had ended, and this is what people have got to live with. And this is pervasive. It is across the entire country, in every region, you know, of the country. So, uh, like I said, I was born in the 80s. You could see, obviously, looking back now, that the rot was already setting in. You could see already yeah. that the moral responsibility to millions by the leadership was already being absconded it was apparent you know then not to talk more of now where you know you there's barely any pretense that you know leadership right now is not really focused on doing what is best for most you know it is almost a power grab and a resource grab and allocation and you know whatever else but clearly it's not about the well-being of the people as it is you know right now so the nigeria i was born into was one where you can clearly you can say that the rot was setting in, the decadence was setting in, the decay was setting in. The Nigeria we are in now, I think that you'd be a liar to deny that where we are is... I mean, I, I, I want to be careful with the words that I use, but clearly the decay has really, really picked in. The, 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 the rot is apparent. It is unable. Some will probably even say irredeemable. But right now, 
things are things were in the best way back, but things are a lot more has taken place over the course of maybe 20 years. Right. I mean, Viola will come back to you. Uh, and, and to be honest, um, so we will do a bit of editing around. Um, and, I, and I wanted to come back to you, Afi, I mean, next around the issue of you know, middle class evaporated. Because if, if we trace that back even in the 60s, 70s, um, when people grew up in the 60s, with uh, 70s grew up with so much money, oil money, and public civil service looked attractive. It was clear that everybody was living in a bubble and all that bubble side got getting bust uh, in the 80s. Um, and, and, we, and, and so we were already, already even struggling already in the 80s. Um, what, I mean, when did you think we missed it? I mean, did, did, we met. We met, I mean, did you? Did, well, is the middle class the shrinking of the middle class? What do you think contributed to that? Because now it's. I mean, I left university. I left NYC in two thousand and nine. I was still going one or two or three or four job offers. I mean, it's much more challenging right now, um, in some sort of way. Where did that middle class um, shrinking? Where did it start happening? And I mean, what I mean, and what are the factors that created that kind of space? So I mean, I'll, I'll look at it from um, from 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 obviously an economic perspective, and I think uh, one of the things is that I think we we always have this uh, sort of um, fantasy about how how good it was back then. I think a lot of us were obviously already middle class and upper middle class, and and sort of heard from our parents about how great Nigeria was, but often removing that there was a whole mass of people who we didn't come across with, you know, living in rural areas that were also quite poor and 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 not without an education helped some people sort of you know sort of cross that bridge and and sort of um rise up so i i definitely think the good old days were never really that good they were just good <laughs> you know good to the people who sort of um who sort of lived it and that was the prevailing story of the educated class of the political class we talk about all the you know how young people were at the times they held offices and how great it was and i mean a lot of these people were not experienced um and, and maybe that's not their fault but i'm just saying that there was a lot of exclusion that that doesn't get talked about there's still a lot of poverty um that doesn't get talked about and there are a lot of people as far back as the 50s 60s 70s who also did not get um education or the opportunity for education to sort of lift them out of poverty so so that there is something i think we need to explore as a country about about those times but obviously that's a separate conversation and and you know um we we, we can't talk about nigeria's history um and and it's it's current situation without talking about our dependency on oil oil obviously we all talk about the dutch disease we know about it we know about dependency on oil and that and, and the kind of wrong incentives it created um around you know, sort of building up the fundamentals of an economy um, um, that allows for this kind of widespread progress, that, that, that allows for, you know, um, mass, mass progress, basically, and a building of a middle class, you know. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not one to say, oh, I wish we never found oil. Because we, pro I don't know where we would be without it, just given how, um, you know, dependent we are on it. But, um, you know, it was certainly mismanaged and it certainly, you know, recently fell for, fell for the worst um, you know the worst sort of version of oil you know oil dependency there is like Norway and then there's like Qatar in the Middle East and then there's Nigeria that has 100% tied its whole political economy around sharing oil money and that has been you know 
the, the, I would say the chief cause to holding us back. And then, and then, and, and, and that also leads into what I thought in the 80s was this attempt at state-led, um, state-led sort of industrialization that uh, government uh, took on itself the roles of, you know, building out industries, building factories, you know, getting into business. You see these, you see, you see the, the sort of the, the, what's the word, you know, the carcasses of, of, of all these um, big ideas they had with Ajao Kota steel mills, with all the textile factories that, you know, first were ushered in as government, um, government led. Yeah. Yeah. And, and government and government built and, and 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 then they they followed up with all sorts of protective tariffs so we got into this idea of like you know the government what central government control because of oil central government control because government felt it was best place to run and build an economy and we are still dealing with it today. You look at the policies, you look at the, the level of um, um, of government control and, and their desire for control in industry, and it still remains. And unfortunately, the world was, was industrializing and we had to do it at the speed of government, which we all know is not very fast. So when you don't have a robust economy, you don't have the foundations and, and where we're in an economy where we need government approval for, for, for sort of unlocking most industries or government is holding back most sectors. You don't build enough industry and business and an ecosystem that allows for this broad-based growth. Um, you know that 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 then creates a lot of jobs. That then allows people to learn and make the country competitive. So now we're in a place where even you know roads we need government to build and and you know if they don't they you know they, they sort of go turn by turn um the port is still so heavily dependent on government everything that sort of would usher in this kind of um expansion that we want to see we we, we you know it's choked by government control and, and i think that's sort of where we went we we went off and, and unfortunately we're still on that track that um you know the government never saw itself as an enabler it saw itself as the master almost and and that's because of the world money and now that's very very hard um um to sort of undo um so 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 we're in a, we're a situation where uh i think we're still facing the hang-ups of oil and, and we continue to and and unfortunately we're going to get uh, the same results i think we're seeing it we're seeing um, um, the, the results of just sort of repeating the same policies every every decade, um, and I think that's um, that's sort of how we, you know, we, where where we at where where we're at with uh, you know with just the limited um, you know sort of employment opportunities for for Nigerians. So, I mean, if, if I hear you right, what you've tried to say is that you know we we, ex- we we became a country that continuously expanded government and the notion of government doing business and, and like yeah. you said the carcasses of that it was refineries at Jakutas, the steel halls, the textile industry, um whatever that was, it still lives with us, lives with us right now. I mean, it's, it's still staring in the face. Um I mean the, 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 the last I mean I, I let me come to Bio Biola here. Um and, and it's just to look about also the same question. Our middle class, I mean, and like I feel we might we might we might in that bubble to assume that you know it was rosy for everybody in the 70s and the 80s but i remember yeah. in, in, in my book i mean i, I started with with a quote by the time magazine in the 1960s i mentioned that whatever nigeria becomes uh is going to be the face of africa i mean there was there was a piece about time magazine about that and so everybody had this 
you know, this 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 expectation of Nigeria and found great oil in the 70s, um, oil, all the whole thing, and it looks like we were going to get it. Um, what do you think? Why we, we, and, and for me, it's, it's the, the middle class is shrinking, or even becoming apathetic. Like everybody wants to travel out of the country. Um, everybody does. It wants to build, build a backup option to Nigeria. Where do you think the middle class? Where do you think we lost that opportunity? Yeah, I think you know it's 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 in many ways. I think Afia, you know, she made a spectacular you know point of how you know we're dependent on oil, and our government allocated itself powers that. It clearly did not need um, and to play roles that there was completely no interest and no competence, you know, to carry out. And we are paying a really, really huge price, you know, for that. Um, how do you have the middle class and how do you keep the middle class? I having well-paid jobs, sustainable well-paid jobs that you could grow into, spend 15, 20 years, build an entire career around. What happened simply was that those jobs started evaporating so much so that the entire um, if you don't have a good civil service job right now, you don't have a job in telco, in banking, maybe a couple of FMCG, a couple of other categories. Yeah. The only other way of being middle class is to run a successful business. And even that, the moment it does look like you are doing quite well, you know, all manners of agencies are going to come after you to, in some way, you know, make your life a lot more difficult. The reality of the matter is that there was no plan to build a middle class, sustain a middle class, or, yeah. you know, exactly. That's that fundamentally is what has happened. What we what happened was that successive government did not make any of these plans. Successive government continued to arrogate itself the kind of powers um, that we, quite frankly, I'd say I've never seen. Of course, in some other African countries, governments, you know, have done all of these things, but the, the, the result is the same. You know, the approach in many respects have been the same. The results all across Africa, you know, are also the same. So there has never ever been any plan but whatever middle class we have in this country for however long has been purely accidental there was no sustained plan to keep people in well-paying jobs you know pay your taxes have investments have assets and in some way just get his wealth you know to go around and fundamentally what is happening in nigeria right now um in my head is that those who are you can even say in the middle class are so afraid of losing what they have and losing that status that they are either fleeing the country or they are pushing to become the elites in ways that one will probably say are not the best because you literally can lose everything that you have one government policy one you know health emergency your status you know as middle class can completely evaporate so my conclusion will be that successive governments have not made any plans do not see how vital it is to keep a middle class for people. Mm. Yeah. I mean, great, great stuff. I mean, let me come back to your deal. So, Nigeria, I mean, and which means we are classically wrapping up. I mean, the Nigeria ahead, you know, the Nigeria to, that we're looking forward to, I mean, this next step, Nigeria, we, what is Nigeria, what, what do you think Nigeria could be? Um, and, and what do you think um, Nigeria uh, uh would be, I mean, let me put it that way. Could be and would be. Could be means this is how this is how big we can be. I mean, and uh, and if you're going to take three things, three things that you think we have to do of that have to be of urgency. I mean, that we have to do now. What would you what would you call? It? Yeah. The reality of the matter is that in life, in everything, there's a window for you to be all that you can be. 
if you don't if you kick the can down the road it becomes harder you can be all that you can be but it's best for you to do it as quickly as you can can nigeria still be great of course yes but the task of being great of being as great as we all thought we could be when the country got independence in the 60s has become incredibly hard not impossible but incredibly incredibly hard i have a theory that most people get into government with great ideas about how you know to fix things and when they see how difficult the task is i think that they just you know give in and just become like the next guy because literally the kind of work it will take for you to fix things i also think that we have built a culture amongst the populace and in a, we built a political economy where nope are we going to be honest do people really want all of these problems solved or they just want their personal problems solved you know those are the kind of answers that we have to we have to honestly answer talking about the things that we need to do obviously education will have to play a, a big role we have a very young population but underemployed unemployed uneducated i mean the tinderbox is sticking it is clear if we want to be the nigeria that we that we have the potential to be um we have to make very 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 huge investments in education um that is fundamental number two is our fault lines they are becoming more and more apparent you can almost say the country is becoming balkanized um obviously there are deep trust issues um and i'm talking about along tribal and religious lines these things have been with us but year on year you can see that these fault lines are getting deeper and deeper and unless we fix we fix those structures um it will become difficult because you need a certain level of consensus to be able to achieve meaningful meaningful progress and i speak about a country about an organization about you whatever it is you need a set i mean of course you not agree on everything but you need a certain level of consensus and we have not been able to achieve anything close to the kind of consensus that we need for us to be able to make you know rapid progress the last thing that we need obviously is visionary leadership that is something that is deeply lacking i mean we have we have successive governments many don't even make any pretense about having any sort of vision and that continues till this day you read the papers you turn on the news and you hear government officials making some of the most outrageous decisions ever you feel like oh we're running out of time we need to make great decisions and then someone comes and make the kind of decisions that will just absolutely shock you to your marrows so obviously education i also think that obviously we need to fix our fault lines but most importantly which all of these two things i mentioned you know are underpinned by that we need visionary committed leadership i mean i mean i will take it to you from the elite consensus i mean what can I mean, everyone says the society is a product of elite consensus whatever the i mean how the the, the elite of the country thinks i mean that's how finally you are going to end um and and i'll put it also to you what could we be what would we be and what are the three things that we we have to wrap we have to rapidly change an example for me has always been Vietnam. So Vietnam had this long-drawn war up to the mid-90s. I mean, um, but today, I mean, there is no... Vietnam does almost $200 billion in, in exports now. Um, high-tech, low-tech, you know, agriculture, rice, uh, cashew, and things like that. Um, and today, I mean, right before our very highest, I mean, Vietnam became a miracle. And, you know, kind of opportunity with China, within all of was happening around that region. Um, my, 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 my question is, what would we be? What would we be? And what, what are the three things that we need to do now? Yeah. 
So, I mean, I, I think, um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go with Viola on this, that vision is number one thing. I, I think, um, you know, without a, any vision for what you're trying to do, you're, you're pretty much moving around in circles or maybe even jogging on the spot. I mean, you talk about Vietnam and from what I've read about Vietnam, the, the intentionality around sort of building a middle class was, was really for the, for the, for the communist party, quote unquote, if I remember correctly, to sort of keep a, a um, keep control of people, but, but obviously yeah. allow them to be um, economically um, sustained so that they don't sort of revolt and so that that control is not challenged. And, um, and so even there, even when the motives were sort of not um, exactly, you know, one would call noble, quote unquote, um, the, the idea is that there was a vision and there was a reason to do that and there was an intentionality around, around that, that, that level of development. I mean, I stand to be corrected in, in some of, of, of my submission, but I have read that about that country. I, I think um, this is the ba- this is the basis of what we we want to see um, ab- about from for Nigeria to, to actually make any sort of move because all, all we've been doing is regressing from any data. I don't even want to repeat the stats from any data you have looked or any indices. Uh, for most of it, Nigeria is regressing, and and that's just because you know the little you have gets taken away when you don't uh, when you don't do anything about it. I think unfortunately, you know, the elite of this country are very contractual with Nigeria, and I don't blame them because you know you come and you try to do stuff and and Nigeria beats you to the point where you have to have one leg out if you want to survive. You have to be thinking about just how to extract versus how to contribute. It's very, very difficult um, to go all in, quote unquote, for for the country. And and I think there are really two options. And unfortunately, I'm more pessimistic about you know what Nigeria could be. I think Nigeria could just be a you know, you know, continue on this path and just you know be a a you know continue to just be a poorer country that 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 goes along. I I think um, you know success is not owed to us. Success is not entitled to us, and we have to work for it. So if you're not doing anything to work for it, we're just going to. I mean, you know, if you talk to your parents, uh, the same things that they read in the newspapers we're reading today, 40 years down the line, uh, 50 years down. The the line so it, it you know there there's precedents and and if you look back in history you would almost be better to bet on in Nigeria con- continuing on this trajectory uh, uh but, but but to see some change and I don't even mean like drastic I I mean I'm more I'm more sort of um you know, uh, I'm more sort of measured in my expectation of what what I want to see. It's just for for a start above leadership is this idea that um, you know that there is some intentionality around economic growth and economic development, um, and that solves a number of ills. You know, Biela talked about religious and, and and sort of tribal issues, and a lot of this, I think. I mean, I'm not no 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 I'm not trying to simplify it, but a lot of these issues are not. Um, a sort of be, be beneath the, the 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 veneer is a resource issue. There resource um, constraints. There's fighting for smaller resource resources. There's a shrinking of the pie that drives and exacerbates all these um, all these um, um, you know clashes. Um, both on a tribal, both on religious, both uh, when you look at herdsmen and farmers and things like that, it's all a fight for resources. And Nigeria is just not growing the economic pie big enough. And I think 
what we could be in the next 10 to 15 years is a country that looks like we want, we are intentional about economic growth. And for me, I've always believed that there are a few policies we can make that can set Nigeria on that path. And those policies rely on government sort of deprioritizing itself and moving towards markets and just, you know, coming to a consensus that they do not need to take the lead. Um, and, and maybe we, we strike luck with the leader. I, I, I used to think, um, you know, you know, there was some way to sort of enact change. But I think if we're lucky with one one man who can do a woman who can do one or two big, you know, policy changes and, and sustain them, kind of how, like how we had with Obasanjo. Um, and I'm speaking from a market perspective and an economy perspective. I think that sets us on a path that that sort of. Um, that sort of catches a few more people, brings a few more people out of um, poverty. I think yeah. uh, we need our economy moving. Our economy is stagnating. It is shrinking. And, and there is no way you are going to deliver people without a sound economy. So so we, we could be a country that, that that starts to move towards markets, embrace markets, and and do the, the intentional things you need to be able to attract capital that allows you um, allows you um, you know grow outside. But 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 again, the government is is holding us back uh, in in a big way. And and if that changes, then I think my optimism would change. I mean, uh, I mean, this has been been interesting. I and I and I'm really really glad that we were able to. And you talked about intentionality. Um, yes. They, they, they need deliberate. They, 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 these are not. This is not um, something. Nothing is going to us. Do you have any pattern thoughts um, um, before we go to the This is about existential questions. I pull up uh, 35 questions, um, and most of them, I, I, I guess this was a product of, of, a, of a thread on social media. I did like 20 questions, and everybody was, everybody was just three questions at me. And so I said, okay, yeah, I mean, I could just give you a more research, put a bit of data behind you, and now begin to uh, flesh out the conversation in a way. Um, and, and, and this is, uh, I was just looking about, okay, this is going to be a, a book within, when we are 60, I mean, it's going to be, this is a landmark period for Nigeria. Um, I hope that by the time that we are uh, we are 80 or maybe 100 or 75, we look for which is 15 years, 20 years from now, 40 years from now, we will to look at all the way to tick all of these boxes and we will to do that. Um, that's really my personal wish too. But I know that this is not something we can wish. And I mean, I always look at it. It was not going to to change Nigeria even in 2009, 2010. Now things look, I mean, to even grow by 3% right now looks like an impossible task. Um, uh, so, I mean, last words, passing words from Mr. Biola Kazim, I'll take from up here and we'll bring this to an end. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, my final words will be that obviously we will have to be optimistic. You know, like I said to a lot of people, um, tough as things are, daunting as they are, bleak as they look. Obviously, if we're all throwing the tar, um, then, then, then it's all over. Um, like Afi said, we could get lucky with a leader. And I, I think that there's something about the country where just when it looks like everything is over, we get thrown something. We, we you know, we, we catch some break. Like Afi alluded to Opa Sonjo and what he did with the telco, and how. I mean, and I, I think that that should be the example to leaders in this country about how you can unlock so much value. You know, pull up so many people, unlock you know allied and ancillary industries just by taking yourself out and you know 
move towards markets and allow you know in, investment come in and and just watch things grow ultimately you know coming back to what afi said again what is going to save this country really is how well we do with our with the economy if we don't fix the economy um obviously we'll continue to in, in some way you know fight over diminishing resources and you know it could get really really ugly reality of the matter is that there are large parts of this country that are as we speak literally ungovernable and if you know we don't fix the economy what is going to happen is that the places that are ungovernable will just grow bigger and other parts of the country as well you know will tilt towards violence and we will just be living in a country that you know that has completely failed right now we still have a very very narrow window but it, i think it is tied to the economy if you can get people working you can get people busy put money in the hands of people and obviously the, the propensity to tilt towards violence you know would, would significantly reduce and then you have a chance to really really you know build around that until that happens and to be honest right now sitting where we are i really do not see that but like i said again we can catch a break uh, we could get a leader who will come in four five years you know set the country on that path and you hope that you know no other leader comes in in some way to reverse you know the progress we made literally a lot of the progress we made on our passenger um from an economic perspective you know have been reversed a lot of those gains you know have been reversed but clearly what is going to keep this country together what is going to save this country is is fixing the economy if we don't things are going to get worse very very quickly we have too many young people who are not doing anything who are facing a bleak future and the corollary of that is that you're going to have pockets of violence you're going to have unrest you're going to have insecurity um obviously there will be no investment and you can deduce how all of that will end up hopefully that wouldn't be the direction but again back to what afi said you need to see deliberate intentional action we need government that is scared of this kind of outcome that we are talking about it does seem like government is not scared of this outcome you need people to come in and be literally afraid that you do not want the kind of outcome that we are painting you know to happen until that happens we probably will just continue to slide and slide and slide and you know it's hard to tell you know how things can end Okay. I mean um okay. Um Afi, parting words from your hand, deliberate intention. I mean that would be the summary because we will do a blog and and do like the the and do the audio file with it. So um Afi, your own point, your parting words for computer yeah. Yeah, um I don't know if if I can follow up on that. Viola, you you kind of um <laughs> you kind of uh, you know a big dose of reality there and i mean i've been searching for some optimism i i've been thinking about what i could say i mean um i think what i would say is that uh, you know for as much as nigerians can we should as um, individuals just um be you know maybe maybe one luck key or maybe one out for us while we're trying to figure things out here is is the changing world of work and and how we may be able to have an opportunity to start you know while being in Nigeria but working outside of Nigeria so as individuals not as a country um as an individuals you know get opportunities to to sort of um do work outside of the country remote work obviously you know the impact of technology and all of that can 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 save a few youth so i would say um, as young people you know who have a shot and an opportunity we should lean into that as much as possible but um 
you know, that obviously just solves the problem for a very, very tiny minority of Nigerians. Uh, for the majority, we, we need a government like Biola said that is scared of an apocalypse, and and you know, you know, apocalypse just they, they don't just happen on you; they creep, 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 and then they become unmanageable. And I think uh, we do have a narrow window. We're getting to that point, uh, and what's going to happen is, you know, everybody who could leave Nigeria will leave, and, and you know, and it'll just be another country. I mean, sorry to just take us back, but in in recent, you know, in the last decade, Nigeria was the giant of Africa. If you ask anybody today which countries in Africa they think have hope, Nigeria's name does not come up anymore. Um, because I think, you know, it's it's kind of evident to, to, to most people that we're not doing what it takes to be that country. So uh, we really need to either have some competition or have some um, some desire um, to, to really want to turn things around, and and I hope through some leadership um, and through some lucky breaks, and I mean in some states at the federal level, but maybe even in some states, we start to see some progress uh, that will build a competition that can be replicated. And and I and I and I, and I hope that's a you know a solution to, to sort of fast track this development we all want to see. All right. <laughs> I mean, thank you so, so much. It's a whole big pleasure. I'm really, really grateful um, for this first session. It's like breaking my, breaking the ice and, and I mean, I get it to do much more. We hope that before October, I mean, October 1, we're able to have the six sections and possibly we're going to publish it gradually. Um, from, and I'm going to be in touch. Um, when the book is also, right. I will let you, I will give you copies and post you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Pleasure is all mine, and it's an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you, Afi. Yeah, have a good all day. All right, Afi.